0: Welcome in eight by eighty, Austin Hammond, Tyler Smith here, and Smith. We only have one week of the regular season left.
1: Yeah, that's just crazy to me that the season's gone by so fast.
0: Yeah, it's just been booking along, and probably because it the weeks are just so strange because it feels like I have absolutely no time to prep for the show each week. When even just between from Friday to Wednesday. Then all of a sudden we finish the show and it feels like I'm waiting, I don't know, 48 to 72 hours between between when the show drops on thir- Wednesday night, Thursday morning and before we actually see some football played on Thursday night. I'm I've doing the podcast and combined with just following football in general, I think has broken my brain and my concept of time.
1: Yeah, I can definitely say that my fantasy teams are definitely struggling this year compared to previous <laughs> years just because more more efforts gone into this than those. But it's it's been a lot of fun, and it's been a lot of football. I mean, college, uh, high school, NFL, everything. I mean, this is probably the most statistics in football I've taken in in a long time. And like you said, it, it gets a little overwhelming at times later on in the week.
0: Yeah, it can feel overwhelming, but then when we get games – like we got especially out of our Pickem games this past week, it just keeps you locked in, <laughs> and I think it's hard to not be absolutely locked in on high school football when you watch a game like Cross County's 30 to 28 win over Clarkson Lee on on Friday night. That was that was insane.
1: Yeah, that's that's probably one of the we've we've said it a couple times in our Pickem games and. uh, even just throughout the season of where we think that was the best game of the season. And I I think that one is probably the best, best game of the season. I mean, two juggernauts going at it, Clarkson Lee taking the lead with, I think it was like 35 seconds left and cross County coming back with the hail Mary with no time left back in the end zone to win it. I mean, just absolutely crazy. If you haven't seen it, I mean, you've got to track down some footage of that. This, this game was nuts.
0: Yeah. Go ahead and find the cross County high school. uh, YouTube page because they've still got the full replay of that game on there. And it's absolutely awesome. But yeah, yeah the, the hail Mary Lucas Jacobson to Jackson Lindbergh for the win with no time on the clock, just Jacobson rolls out to his left, just letting guys try to run through some traffic downfield, ultimately winds up and fires it down that left sideline, gets clocked right after he lets go of the ball too. got absolutely got clobbered, but delivers a nice ball. And Lindbergh just loses his defender. His defender kinda of, kind of stumbles and leaves him by himself and just a nice easy catch in the breadbasket for the win. It was we we had we build it as the game to decide kind of who's the who's the clear number two team in D one and boy did they battle for it, but I came away feel from this game feeling really good about both of these teams.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I got to see Clarkson Lee take on Pender earlier in the year, and I thought they looked really good then. And uh, I think they looked just as good this game against Cross County. I mean, I I, I came away impressed with Clarkson Lee and the way they battled and took the lead to what most people would have considered the game winning touchdown. But then uh, I I think I'm more impressed with Cross County the way they battled back and they they won it in a way their team's not built for. I mean, you can even hear it in their coach's voice when he talks in an interview later on where they're they're built to run the ball. So to be able to win it throwing a deep pass back of the end zone. I mean, being able to just kind of grit it out and find ways to win games is uh it's impressive in regular season and this is more of like a playoff type matchup. So I think having that type of win going into playoff time is going to be huge for their team. I mean, they they kind of showed me that somebody can actually challenge North Platte St. Pat's. I think so.
0: Yeah, you see that. You you look around the state; people are starting to look at okay, maybe this cross county team is the one. You might even, if you look deep enough, you can probably even find a couple people that ha- might have cross county as a little bit of a back end favorite there. But so that's going to make things way more interesting in D one. And we had another game that probably makes things a little bit more interesting at the top of D two. And that was Hitchcock County. They went on the road down to Benkelman, and they knocked off Dundee County Stratton forty-four to six. Not as nip and tuck of a game as the cross-county Clarkson League game, but I think just as if not more informative in terms of one of these teams being a true title contender.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll I'll kind of I'm going to get into a rant here a little bit later as we get into the rankings for D two. Uh, in favor of Hitchcock County, and it, a lot of it has to do with this type of win over Dundee County Stratton. Um, I mean, they've won some big games um, throughout the season, but this one where you're winning 44 to 6, I mean, at, at one point, they, I think they actually had running clock going on this game, and this is against, a, at that time, was a top five team. I mean, these these aren't just anybody or any top 10 teams. I mean, these are guys that are all trying to make their bid for that number one spot and I think I think Hitchcock County deserves a, a, plenty of recognition to be up there and I'll, I'll I'll save my rant for a little bit later but yeah this one was impressive
0: yeah it really was and like you said we've got plenty more to get into with that one but again Hitchcock County stamping their mark on the D2 rankings with the win over Dundee County Stratton Elm Creek finally suffered their first loss of the season they played a really high quality twin loop squad and twin loop comes out on top 30 to 14. And this is a twin loop team that was one in seven, I believe last year. And, and we know we talked about them a little bit last week, slate McKeel at running back, rusty Oxford, at quarterback really key in that offense, but they kind of had their third option guy step up and have an explosive game. Quincy Riker, who, I have only seen some clips and a little bit of tape of him playing football, but I did watch him play basketball his freshman year. So I do, I'm a little bit more familiar with him as an athlete and kind of his explosive ability. Well, he had 13 carries for 171 yards, I think one touchdown, but he was really kind of gouging what had been a really stiff Elm Creek defense. So nothing to hang your head about. If you're Elm Creek, that's a good twin loop squad. But I think this one makes me take twin loop even that much more seriously as we head towards playoffs.
1: Yeah, whenever you've got an eight man football, you've got a couple guys who have been the workhorses all season teams kind of key in on those. So being able to emerge a third option here in a, in a game that Twin Loop really needed in order to solidify some good good position going into playoff time. Um, that's huge. I mean, any any time you get a kid to step up, that that's going to help you out. But especially this time of year, I mean, that's that's big. So really, really big time stuff for twin loop. And like you said, I, I think I'm starting to take them more seriously as, as well. I mean, that's a, that's an Elm Creek team that's turned things around, but twin loops also turning some things around this season. And it, it's fun to watch. I mean, it's, it's impressive.
0: Dan yeah, twin Loop's got another big game coming up here in week eight. We'll get into that one a little bit later. And our final pick 'em game from last week, Johnson Brock knocked off sacred heart 44 to 22 bouncing back from the heartbreaking loss to Bruning, Davenport Shickley and in the bounce back quarterback Sloan Pelican, he threw for two touchdowns ran for four, just a dominant performance there by the Eagles.
1: Yeah. Sloan, Sloan can sling it. That's for sure. I mean, we've, we've seen the numbers he's put up all season. There's, there's a reason we've called his name as much as we have. And, um, uh... This Falls City Sacred Heart team—they're a good team. I mean, don't get don't get the score confused. I mean, they're they're still a very solid team, and they're going to be a problem for some people come playoff time. Um, so Johnson Brock being able to use that air raid type offense that they've got in order to win this one—I mean, that's big. And it was especially big for my pickums. So we ended up yeah. splitting. So I've, yeah. big shout out to Johnson Brock for getting me the point this week.
0: Well, and Cross, you got Cross County there, too, with the, you were a Johnson-Brock explosion Cross County Hail Mary away for really having a tough week there. Big yeah. Fella.
1: yeah, it was about to be another one in three week that I did not not want to go through. So huge shout out Johnson-Brock, Cross Cross County for coming up clutch for me.
0: Yeah, so as we head into the final week of pick our standings tie our standings i am ahead seven to five so feeling good there uh getting into a couple of stat lines we're trying to keep it tight here we know our episodes have been getting longer and longer last one i think was about an hour 13 so we're gonna try to tighten it up so we're not gonna dig deep as we as quite as deep as we normally do for stat lines of breakouts so we'll just hit a couple quick stat lines here and we'll start with a guy that I'm plenty familiar with having called a handful of his games over the last few years. And that's Trevor Thompson, the running back linebacker for Summerland. Um, they played Plainview in a game that we thought was going to be pretty tight. Well, winds up being a 30 plus the 35 point win for the Bobcats and Thompson went for 243 yards and four touchdowns on the ground through a 30 yard touchdown. And he caught a 45 yard touchdown as well. So kind of having he's, He's a kid that ran for 1,800 yards a year ago. If you're following eight-man football, he's a he's a name that you're plenty familiar with. But this is definitely his biggest game to date this season, and he certainly had it in a big moment.
1: Yeah, I think I can remember back when I was kind of scouting out Crofton and, and when they played Summerlin, and I I remember saying to you that if they can keep Trevor Thompson healthy, because at, at that point he was kind of banged up, but I was saying if he if they could keep him healthy, their offense looked dominant with him running kind of a wildcat type offense where you've got to, you've got to account for him by loading up the box on because of his speed and his power running style. But then he can hit you over the top with a pass when, once you finally bite in, which is, I mean, 30 yard touchdown, that's exactly what happened. So, um, yeah, Trevor's a heck of an athlete. I mean, he's not just doing on the football field. I'm pretty sure he was state medalist for track as well. Um, speed kills, especially in eight man football. I mean, where you can kind of spread it out and, uh, yeah big big win over the wife's alma mater pirates and uh yeah he was look look good i mean he's one of those kids that as long as he's healthy they're they're gonna be a tough team to beat
0: yeah he's his explosiveness like you said it's it's just it's just enough that any game Summerlin's in you're like well i mean maybe trevor breaks two three long runs and we have a tight ball game and it doesn't matter who they're playing against uh next guy on the list this was uh Another heck of a shootout. Humphrey, Lindsey, Holy family, they beat East Butler 56 to 50. And in that game, Sage Fraundorfer had 23 carries for 268 yards and four touchdowns. And like I said, 56 to 50. So they needed all of it.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, anytime you get these big Big 12 style scores, you get big 12 style stats. I mean, this is this is exactly what happens. And this was every bit every completion that he had was needed yeah 56 to 50 and I, I think it was actually they were down kind of towards the middle of the fourth quarter if i'm remembering correctly um so yeah big big time players make big time plays so that's that's a big one there
0: yeah it is and big game coming up this week for humphrey Lindsay holy family they take on saint francis i've got it listed in here as the humphrey bowl i'm imagining that that rivalry has a more historic and interesting name so if you know like if the name of the game between humphrey lindsey holy family humphrey lindsey holy family and humphrey st francis like if it's got a rivalry name or something let me know because i'm very very interested in that so either tweet at us eight by eighty shoot it to us on facebook email us email us e a e i g h t by 80 at yahoo just send it to us some way because i'm imagining that that game given the historic nature of the rivalry between those two schools in the same town, there's gotta be, there's gotta be something there, right?
1: Yeah. H- Humphrey bowl. That's not cool enough. And and if there no. isn't a different name, we're definitely coming
0: up with one. Cause that, that's we gotta will, be yeah, rampant. Tell up. me if there's not a name, because we'll name it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we will find a way. Cause we'll we're find least, something I mean, the way the two, the two year cycle goes, we're at least going to get this matchup again next year as well. Uh, final stat line. We did want to shout out Carson Trompke of Cambridge nine for 12 passing for 256 yards and six touchdowns in a 69 to 42 win over Bayard. And Tyler, I think you said it best just a minute ago, big 12 scores give you big 12 stat lines.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of dug, dug back into Carson here a little bit going through some stats and he's a kid that's aside from the one Ravenna game has really done a good job at the quarterback spot of not turning the ball over. Um, And in fact, their week one uh, matchup against North Platte St. Pat's, they, he had two touchdowns and no picks. I mean, that's a, that's an impressive defense to not, not have any turnovers in. Um, So he's, he's been doing well all season. He just finally hit this big, big time production style game. I mean, he's been doing it for him. Just, just kind of got the locked in win numbers style this, this week.
0: Yeah. And fun to see guys hitting their stride like that as we hit close out the regular season. All right, now let's dig into our top 10s, Tyler. We'll start with D1 and you mentioned St. Pat's and a minute ago and they're still at the top in D1 and they're well out in front in the powerpoints as well. And they're 7 and 0 and they beat Maxwell 67 to 16. They do get an interesting game here this week as they host a 5 and 2 Perkins County squad. That's a that's a frisky squad the Plainsmen so be interested to see if they can give St. Pat's a game. At number two, we've already talked plenty about them today. That's Cross County knocked off Clarkson Lee, 30 to 28. They get an interesting one as well, taking on a five and two Shelby Rising City team. So number one and number two both with a interesting week eight tests. Number three, Stanton beat Bancroft Rosalie, 59 to eight. They are at a Pender team that's four and three, but somebody that you and I are both have both just liked as a squad the Pen Dragons throughout this season and this is an interesting one from a PowerPoints perspective just because Pender even with the loss finishing up 4 and 4 they're just far enough down there in the PowerPoints that they would they'll be hanging on for dear life to one of those back end playoff spots if they don't win this game if they score the massive massive upset they obviously secure that spot
1: yeah and uh which which is it was kind of surprising to me when I saw that that Pender would with a loss here might end up on the bubble because they've they've played some really good teams, and uh, I mean we've we talked about Clarkson Lee a little bit ago in their matchup against them, and uh, Pender's looked really good at times and they they've looked kind of kind of stumbling on their own feet at other times and uh, I think this is one where you can kind of. I mean, you win and you win and you're in, and that's that's what you want to tell your kids. You don't want to tell them, "Hey, if we lose this, we might might get to keep playing." I mean, you never want to go into a game expecting to lose anyway. But this is this is one where you have to circle it and say, "We've got to go win, or our season might be done." So that's that's definitely a game to keep an eye on. Um, moving down to the fourth spot, we've actually got a two-way tie here. Um, and that's Clarkson Lee at 6-1 with their loss to Cross County that we kind of highlighted a little bit earlier. They host a 1-6 Madison team. And then uh, also tied for fourth place uh, is Laurel Concord Coleridge. They're 7-0. Oh. They beat a Hardington-Newcastle squad 54-21. They'll host a 1-6 Tri-County Northeast team. And Austin, I got to say, this Laurel Concord defense has been really impressive. Um, yeah, they gave up 21 points here in this this game, but it, it looked to me like it was they gave up 13 of those in the fourth quarter where you've probably got some subs in kind of kind of got some cleanup duty style games and, and their defense has been really impressive.
0: Yeah, it's what we've really been able to trust, trust them with this season as they've kind of found their way offensively and they've certainly had some explosive performances. But that's just yeah, like you said, I the Laurel defense has been what I have trusted the most from them all season long. You think about a close game that they played with Crofton. I think it was two weeks ago now where they really had to lean on that defense to score that W and that and the defense travels. Everybody knows defense travels, defense plays well. Defense is great when it gets cold outside. That's how you win ball games. feels like a team built for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, for sure. Defense travels, defense wins you games on the cold and, uh, Defense may, wins championships. I mean, we've heard it forever. I mean, that's always been the phrase. I mean, I don't care what this new, new style of offense is, how many points you can put up. If, if the defense can shut you down, you're, you're not going to do any good. So, uh, exciting team to watch there. Moving down to number six, you've got Neely Oakdale. They're six and one. They'd be a North Central team, 80 to 26, and they'll host a three and four Lutheran High Northeast team. And Austin, I've been really impressed with this Neely Oakdale offense like my question is coming into this playoff time is can they get stops on defense when they when they hit a team that can put up some serious points
0: yeah because you look at again they put it they put 80 here they put 90 on plain view a couple weeks ago offense is Aiden Cooster is an offense that that is hard to slow down but they did get slowed a little bit against Hal's Dodge which no shame in that that's fine that was week one too so things are things are certainly different from there but I mean you look at that Plainview view game, they gave up 56 points. And I think that's the one that really kind of I circle and that raises some red flags to me. It's just we, the defense, you can't be given up 50 points to a team that you're, if you're 40 points better than a team, I'd rather see you beat them 50 to 10 than 90 to 50. That's I I just feel better about the game control and the game script and your ability to be dominant. If you're able to hold a team, to a low score like that. Now, if Neely's going to get into a shootout, they shouldn't be afraid of anybody because, again, Aiden Cooster and that offense can shoot it out with the best of them. But I, I just I think it's fair to say that the defense might not be quite at the level of the offense at this point in the season.
1: Yeah, and that that's alarming to me because like like you're saying, that that defense travels. And I mean, to be fair, Aiden Kuster also travels. I mean, that's that's been a known fact all season. There's a reason he's on our names to know. Um but yeah, I mean the the defense is my question. And like you said, it's not like they've been playing terrible on defense. It's just they're not at that elite level like their offense is.
0: No, I mean you look across their last their so let's go their last so they're on a six-game winning streak now. It's six and one after that twelve to fifty loss to open the season the Hells Dodge, but over those six game six game six game winning streak, they gave up fourteen points, eighteen points. 30, 56, 36, and 26. I again they're winning these games. They're winning them all handily, but just enough points being scored by the opposition to make you and I take notice. Uh, checking in at number seven in the D1 rankings, it's the top non-playoff eligible team. That's Palmyra at six and one. They beat Southern 58 to 42, and they've got a fun one this weekend, too, hosting a five and two Freeman. Uh, Elmwood Murdoch checks in at number eight, the six and one, they beat leaping water 52 to 40. They host two and five Omaha Brownout Talbot and Riverside just keeps hanging around here. They six and one, they beat pleasant in 76 to 22, but they've got a really, really interesting game. They travel to six and one Ravenna this week.
1: Yeah. And, uh, this will be a game that we'll pick later. So this is this one I've had circled and kind of dug into, um, yeah, this like you said, this Riverside team's just kind of been hanging around, hanging around. And they put up huge points last week against Pleasant, or huge numbers last week against Pleasanton, putting up 76 points. I mean, they, they've had a couple tests. Um, most of them were early. Uh, one of those was against Stanton and uh, Nebraska Christian. And uh, this is a Riverside team that went 8-2 and two last year. They've been playing well lately. Um, yeah, I mean, just... Hanging in there. And if you get this win against Ravenna, then then you're probably moving up some coming coming in. I mean, like you highlighted before, seven and eight. They've got some interesting matchups. So it'll it'll be interesting to see which team comes out on top on this one. I mean, Ravenna's receiving votes. So I mean you got nine versus receiving votes. This is this is one that is a must win for both teams coming into playoff time. So this is one that's got my eye for sure. Uh, moving on down to number ten, you got Thayer Central. They're six and one. They lost to Freeman fifty to forty-eight in a shootout there, and they'll be at a two and five Johnson County Central team. And uh, that that shootout loss is definitely going to hurt them, but it's not not to a bad Freeman team by any means. I mean that Freeman team's also receiving votes, and uh, like you were saying, they'll they'll be playing against Palmyra and. That that's an, that just makes that game even more interesting. This is a big win for Freeman over Thayer Central. And uh look look for central Thayer Central to kind of bounce back here against that two and five Johnson County Central team. And that'll be our top ten. So moving on down to our contenders, we've got Ravenna, who we've talked about. They'll be hosting a six-and-one Riverside team. Um Freeman, who beat Thayer Central that 50 to 48. And they're at that 6-1 and one Palmyra team. Once again, we want to highlight that Palmyra will not be in playoffs. But, boy, have they put on a heck of a season. And uh, rounding out our contenders for D1 is Highline. They beat Alma 56-20, to 20, and they'll host a 4-3 and three Cambridge team.
0: Yeah, the other thing I just want to throw in there quick is that their Central loss. um it, their leading rusher and, I think, starting linebackers were, well. Sophomore Sam Sauerdike did not play in that game for the Titans. Uh, I haven't heard anything about what the injury is or what the prognosis is for his availability for the rest of the regular season or the playoffs. But certainly, if this was just a one game off for Sourdike, it's kind of easy to write off the loss for Thayer Central. If he's out for the remainder, might be looking at a little bit different Titans team. So just something to keep an eye on there in the back end of that D1 top 10. But over to D2. At the top, Still Howells dodge. The Jaguars beat Winside 58-6. to They'll close out their regular season uh, traveling 2-0-7. Walt Hill, Brooding Davenport, Shickley holding on to number two. They beat Diller Odell 59-6. They'll host a 3-4 Humboldt-Table Rock Steinauer squad. And at number three, there they are, the team we talked about earlier, that's Hitchcock County off of that big big win over Dundee County Stratton 44 to 6 they host and 7 Med Valley but I don't know Tyler we both kind of figured Dundee County Stratton versus Hitchcock County was for who's the top contender in D2 but Hitchcock County wins it convincingly and still stays at 3
1: yeah and this, this is that rant that I'm going to I talked about where I I've, I've kind of got to pound the table here for Hitchcock County I mean they beast uh Sandhill Steadford, forty-four to zero, earlier in the year. We thought, okay, big, big win, but maybe it's just a slip up by Sandhill Steadford. No, that's not the case, because Hitchcock County turned around and they beat the socks off of Dundee County Stratton. So I, I don't understand what's going on in these consensus rankings where they're third. I, I, I just don't, Austin. I mean, there's, you, you look at below them, and. I'm I'm going to catch a lot of flack from some Bloomfield people. Cause I'm, I'm just going to pick on Bloomfield cause I'm familiar with them and they're sitting there in the next spot at number four and all these teams that are in the top five are saying, Hey, why, why not us? Why aren't we number one? Why, why aren't we number two? Well, you look at Bloomfield, they haven't played as, as high a competition as Hitchcock County has. They had a good win versus Crofton early and, uh, They've got the athletes, they look look the part, they've won all their games big, but the resume just isn't there in terms of the competition they've played. Now, don't hate me too much, Bloomfield, you get a perfectly good chance tonight against a very good Why Not team whose only loss is against Howell's Dodge, so don't hate me, you're going to get a chance to prove it, but as of right now, Hitchcock County has proven it. And in my eyes, they deserve at least the number two spot, if not a chance to be in the number one spot. Because if I look at the teams that they've beaten and beaten handily, dominated, I mean, their points for versus points against is just it's ungodly at this point. It's impressive. I don't I don't understand what is holding people back on Hitchcock County. I'm not taking anything away from two through let's call it six, two through five, two through six, whatever you want to call it. I'm not taking anything away from any of those teams, but Hitchcock County deserves a bump up and I, I might be crazy for that, but that's, that's my rant and I'm going to stick to it.
0: Well, first and foremost, before anybody gets too worked up, it all gets proven in the playoffs. So exactly we get the answers, but I mean, two, one, I would say to your point, Hitchcock County has played two teams that are ranked in the top 10, Dundee County, Stratton and Sandhill Stedford combined score they won those games 88 <laughs> to six scor Davenport Shickley who checks in at number two and is not a is a very good team it's an incredibly good team Easton Weber is as dynamic an individual player as there is but their top their top wins they beat one team that's in the top 10 one team that's receiving votes they beat Johnson Brock by six. And then they beat fall city sacred heart by 26, 52 to 26 and 36 to 30 really good wins, high quality wins. But I would say that those Hitchcock County dominations that you mentioned that you're pre I am the choir. If you're preaching here, because I'm 100% on board that I would have Hitchcock County too as well. But part of the reason we use the consensus rankings is to keep you and I from getting too far. So we don't miss the forest for the trees and, be blinded just by our own thoughts. So that's where Hitchcock County checks in at number three and team that you are, that you just mentioned a little bit in at number four, maybe with a chance to get that signature win.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's the hometown Bloomfield. And I'm sure I'm going to catch some, some flack at the game Thursday night, uh, for, for kind of calling them out like that, but they, they are a good team. I mean, let's, let's not beat around the bush here. I mean, they've got athletes where you need them. You got leadership where you need them and you've got some really good coaching going on over there. And, uh, they beat a Wausau team 48 to zero who earlier in the season, Austin, you and I spoke pretty highly of Wausau and uh, they'll be hosting that six and one. Why not team that I talked about before. And let me tell you, if, if anybody showed a way to beat Howell's Dodge earlier in the season, it was why not? And that's through the air and they, they air rated out. I mean, Dylan Heine is, Second, I believe in D two for passing yards in a game, and a lot of those are deep shots. I mean, they've got height, they've got speed, and uh, this this will be the first true test for Bloomfield's DBs and safeties. I mean, this is this they're gonna get tested tonight, like they haven't been tested, or yeah, tested night like they haven't been tested before.
0: Yeah, and it's a really interesting thing you mentioned the height, the, the defensive backfield for Bloomfield, plenty of athleticism, but not tons of length. And the length is what why not brings in spades. So that's going to be a fun one to watch. Number five here in D2, that's Ainsworth still climbing up, still winning games. They're undefeated. This is the best team in the, I believe the only seven and winning streak in Ainsworth football history. And they did it with a thrilling 38 to 30 win over St. Mary's. I was able to sneak away and watch the first half of this game. And it was incredibly fun. St. Mary's, was on top 22 to 12 at halftime, I believe, but Ainsworth able to dominate the third quarter to win it. And they'll travel to a one and six Boyd County team Uh, at number six, Dundee County Stratton. We mentioned they lost a tough one there to Hitchcock County, 44 to six. They'll travel to four and three Maywood Hayes center as they try to bounce back from their first loss of the season.
1: Yeah. And, that's exactly exactly right. I mean, they've got to bounce back here. I mean, this is a perfect chance to kind of get right the ship right before playoffs, get things rolling again. And uh, talking about bouncing back, Austin, we've got a uh, at the number seven spot. You got Elgin, Elgin, public Pope John. And uh, they're six and one. Um, they got a big bounce back win this week. They beat Nibir Verdigree 58 to 16, which, quite frankly, was needed. After all those injuries, kind of trying to find some new identity, and uh, they'll host a five and two St. Mary's team who just had a thriller against Ainsworth. And this the St. Mary's team—they're no joke. I mean,
0: yeah.
1: by any means. I mean, Gage Hedstrom's got them rolling. They've got athletes all over the place, and uh, I think this is going to be a good good test for Elgin. Now that they've kind of bounced bounced back a little bit and kind of filled those positions of losing that uh, those two main seniors of Jack Wemhoff and Peyton Hofer and uh, kind of figure, see what they figured out this past week against Nyberg or Berkeley and put it to the test against St. Mary's.
0: Yeah. It looks like instead of the Peyton Hofer, Jack Wemhoff show, it looks like the offense is now the Austin Good and Cale Kenny show. And those guys are capable athletes as well. So it'll be fun to see what they can get done against St. Mary's in their season home, home season finale tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, We've, we've talked about the one thing that travels is defense well guess what that offensive line for Elgin that was opening up holes for Jack Wemhoff they also travel. so I mean you you've got chances there to put up some big numbers too. Saint Mary- uh,
0: uh, that Saint. Mary's Elgin game is on KBRX tomorrow night do it so I do have to stump for the stump for the station I get to cover games for they will have that one tomorrow night on KBRX.
1: ooh definitely gonna have to tune in there. Uh, moving on down the list we've got a a tie here for eighth place and that's Johnson Brock at six and one with their air raid offense we already kind of highlighted them taking on Falls City Sacred Heart last week they got the big win 44 to 22 they'll be hosting that two and five Diller O'Dell team Uh, moving down to the other eight spot is Sandhills Thedford they've been hanging around all season they're at six and one they beat a Leighton team 51 to 12 and they'll be at four and three Mullen and Austin this Sandhills Thedford team we kind of were curious earlier in the season because of that Hitchcock county loss of which which Sandhill Studford team is the real Sandhill stedford team where they were putting up huge numbers and then they put up a goose egg. And now they're putting back to putting up big numbers again. And my question is can they keep doing this going into playoffs?
0: And this Mullen team is a great barometer for that because even just at four and three, this is a good Mullen squad. This is not a pushover Broncos crew. So the Knights will have to but certainly play a quality ball game. And if they do play a quality ball game and score a big a big margin of victory, I think that's going to tell us a lot about how this team is looking as they head to the playoffs. Um, so after that tie at number eight, we're on to number 10. And Osceola back into the top 10. They knocked off high plains 60 to 26. And tell you what, if you're looking for points, I think this is going to be the game. And that's Osceola hosting five and two Nebraska Lutheran,
1: yeah i'm I'm definitely taking the over on this one. this is this is two teams that can put up points in a hurry. I mean, uh, Nebraska Lutheran has that air raid offense, and we've we've highlighted all season about Osceola's speed, especially now that they've gotten Isaiah Zelazny back at the, there at tailback. I mean, that there's speed all over the field for both both teams here. and uh, if I don't, I don't know what the spread would be on this kind of team or this kind of game, but whatever it is, I'm taking the over. I mean, this is going to be big 12 numbers. So don't be surprised if we pull some, pull some names for some stat lines coming into this one.
0: Yeah. If I was, if I were setting, Oh, I don't know, like, I don't know, 110 for <laughs> a total, like <laughs> Jeez. I, I, I genuinely, like that feels real. Like, doesn't that feel oh, like yeah. a very possible number? <laughs> oh, for sure. Absolutely. That's so down now in, yeah, exactly. So down now into our contenders for D two. Lawrence Nelson, they're the other team that nearly that nearly cracked the top ten for total votes this week. They knocked off Silver Lake fifty to zero. They host one and six Deschler. Uh, Tyler already mentioned why not? They beat Osmond forty one to six. They'll travel to undefeated Bloomfield tomorrow night. Elm Creek with that first trip up of the season against Twin Loop. They are at 2 and 5 Ansley Litchfield, Fall City Sacred Heart, mentioned their loss to Johnson Brock. They're at 3 and 4 Lord Central Catholic and that Twin Loop team, Twin Loop team that beat Dome Creek, uh they're hosting 6 and 1 Central Valley and I think that Twin Loop Central Valley game is a great way to segue into our Pickums here Tyler because what we've got for Pickums this week is three games that aren't necessarily top 10 versus top 10, the way some of our pick them game, pick them weeks. spent but these are all three games that could really affect PowerPoints kind of in the middle of the pack in their, in their classes. And that could really kind of shake up how the brackets turn out.
1: Yeah, for sure. And a lot of these, I mean, these three pick them games, this is okay. We've talked about how tough it is to pick these top 10 teams against each other. Well, this is just as tough. I mean, these are, extremely evenly matched teams and all of them are kind of surging here kind of late, late in the season and kind of building on previous momentum going into playoff time and each team's hungry for wins. I mean, winning these games puts you in good positions to maybe be hosting for come playoff time for first, second rounds. And um, yeah. And I, I, I do believe you have honors. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you have the first pick. Unfortunately,
0: of course you are, because this is literally, and yeah, okay. We say this every week because we're stumping for our own segment. But I usually, when we have games, I've usually got at least one or two on the list that I've got a pretty strong lean on. Even if I wind up being wrong, I've got a pretty strong lean. I do not have a strong lean on any of these games. All of these games are feel very, very toss up, very, very toss up like to me. I I'm gonna I'm gonna go Riverside over Ravenna. I, I'm gonna take Riverside on the road at Ravenna.
1: Ooh, that's a, that's an interesting one. I kind of looked at that and then kind of came, came back away from it. I didn't know who to pick. So I'm glad you made the decision for me in that game. Um, Riverside, good, good team. Like, like I talked about earlier that where they've, they were eight and two last year. Um, couple, they're only lost this season. I mean, losses this season were, uh, against good, tough teams. And, uh, Ravenna has been, I mean, they were, they were top 10 a little bit ago, um, kind of having a big turnaround year so i'm I'm more than happy to take ravenna in that one um moving moving and well actually we don't have any stats for ravenna but their one loss came um, on the ground against nebraska christian and i mean that's kind of a common common deal against riverside riverside beat them ravenna lost to them i mean that's kind of the common foe there and
0: They've but it they've both shown their... were extremely tight Riverside oh, beat Nebraska sure. Christian nineteen to thirteen. I think Ravenna lost twenty seven to twenty two. So there, that Martin, yes, one team beat Nebraska Christian one lost, but the margin of victory shows that you're looking at an incredible incredibly evenly matched matchup here,
1: right. absolutely for sure. And uh, that means it's my pick. and and these two are the ones that I really didn't didn't want to have to decide on, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, especially that Nebraska Lutheran Osceola game. Um, it's
0: I'm, gonna I'm, be fun to watch. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's gonna be fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna take Osceola. Uh, I think I think the amount of speed that they've got on that team, and then getting Zelazny back. I mean, it's it's not just his speed. I mean, he's also a leader on the team and uh, just crucial piece to kind of get back at the right time. And uh, their only loss came against a, a solid. Humphrey Saint Francis team that we've talked at big lengths against, or big lo- link, or big links about, excuse me, and uh, it it wasn't on, it wasn't from the air. I mean, we've talked about how good Carson Wessel's been on on the season. And really, it was the ground game that kind of knocked knocked them off, and Nebraska Lutheran airs it out. So I'm I'm curious to see what happens with Osceola's speed kind of getting back onto the field and seeing if they can kind of cover this Nebraska Lutheran air raid.
0: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting because we've mentioned, obviously, Isaiah Zelazny, one of the most dangerous players in all of in all of eight man football, just with his raw speed. Plenty of other dudes on this school on this squad like Colton Newhart, Cale Gustafson, certainly. But just the kind of the the track for Zelazny through the last half of this season here. Where he's finally back on the field but he's getting kind of limited reps, but they did have him return kicks, uh, return a kick in this last game. They had against high Plains. Doesn't have, doesn't seem to have recorded any defensive statistics yet. So are they still slowly phasing him back in? Is he going to play on that side of the ball? Because I mean, I think this game especially is one where you're, you're going to really like to have that kind of speed on the defensive side of the ball, just to run with those receivers that are going to be going downfield because, You mentioned earlier that uh, Dylan Heine for Why Not is the number two passer in C2, number one. That's uh, Trey Rickert for Nebraska Lutheran. And I forgot to open his stats, but on the season he has twenty two hundred ninety one yards. <laughs> I believe Heine had about 1300 or so. so yeah there's
1: a there's Rickert, a Rickert gap.
0: with a I... with a thousand yard gap in, into first. He's thrown for 32 touchdowns. So yeah, this is a team that's going to throw the ball around. They've thrown the ball two hundred and forty seven times. They've only run the ball 96 times if you can believe that for an eight-man team. So again, the ball will be in the air for Nebraska Lutheran. Is Osceola going to have all of their speed? I on def- on defense, it's going to matter. And if Isaiah knee is still f- kind of phasing back in and maybe doesn't play much defense in this game, I I don't hate that you left me with Nebraska Lutheran. I don't.
1: <laughs> I I will say that as much as Nebraska Lutheran airs it out when they do run the ball, they run it well because you're so backed up trying not to give up those those deep throws, and they're they're running it over seven yards a carry for an average. I mean, it's, so when they do run it, you you could be in trouble because you're, you're out there with your past style defense where you're kind of dropping people back You're, It's not like some of these teams that are selling out for the run and then you get beat by one throw over the top where teams have kind of these stat lines of like quarterbacks with four for five for three touchdowns. And let's say 120 yards. I mean, this, this is where they lull you to sleep with the, with the, Pass, not the run. I mean, it's kind of flip flop for some of these teams. So uh, that, like, like we've talked about. I mean, this is gonna, that's gonna be a huge point total. I, I hope, I hope yeah. that's the case. I mean, we say this, and we probably just jinxed it. And eight, it'll be like, eight, it'll be like, six. yeah, for <laughs> sure. So it's just, uh, if it's that, actually something actually
0: went wrong. win because yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah,
1: oh yeah, because that's yeah, so but, common in eight man,
0: right? Exactly, <laughs> but. So that was, so you've got Osceola over Nebraska Lutheran. and I've got Riverside over Ravenna. So I'll go ahead and make the pick here in our final game. And I'm going to take central Valley over twin loop. We've gotten a little buzz that's come in on the Twitter machine about central Valley and how this could be a really interesting team. And they, they've had real good squads coming out of Greeley there these last couple of years down at central Valley. This is a, I'm not surprised that they've got another quality team and for them and Twin Loop both, this is a chance to notch a huge, huge win and try to get a really cushy seed there, especially for that first round out out that'll be in the western western half of the bracket. So this is gonna be a very fun one and a very interesting one to watch. And again, a chance for one of these teams to really boost their power points. So I'm gonna take the Cougars over to the Wolfback.
1: Yeah, and that's a that's a good pick. I was kind of I, I even have it like circled in my notes here of Central Valley under the radar team, um, and they're they're one loss coming to Elm Creek, and
0: by uh, four. They, yeah,
1: 52, I mean it was clo- I mean it was close, and their senior running back Xander Wolf. I mean he's been literally carrying his team. I mean you look at points scored, and he's way above everybody else on their team. Um, but that that could get you in trouble against a team like Twin Loop, where they can kind of keen in on Xander and maybe. Maybe kind of make them one-dimensional and make them do some things that they don't want to do. Um, twin loops. Their their slip up was against us that Sandhill Setford team that we talked about. Where aside from one game, they've looked really good, and uh, we've we've already talked about Slate uh, Machiel and how how he's he's averaging over a hundred yards a game. So I mean, he's their workhorse. So this this might be one where we think it's going to put up some points, but if these two defenses can kind of make you go away from what you're used to doing, then this could be a really interesting game to see which team adapts. And uh, like you said, it's, it's big for PowerPoints and it's going to be huge for playoffs. I mean, this is, you're talking home field, you're talking better seating. I mean, this is, this is do or die time. And
0: uh, yeah, it's, it, and I think the, I think you bring up a great point in terms of, kind of who can adapt because we mentioned in twin loop with their win and kind of a, kind of an emergence game for Quincy Riker when they knocked off Elm yep. Creek. So that, so we talk and we see, can kind of see a little bit more clearly the different options in the different styles and the different ways twin loop can attack. Well, you mentioned Xander Wolf. He's got 145 carries on the year and he's over a thousand yards, 25 touchdowns. Awesome. Awesome stats. Nobody else on the team has more than 31 carries. Uh, Nikolai, their um, quarterback, has thrown the ball 59 times for almost 600 yards and 11 touchdowns. So they've had a little bit of looks like they've been able to generate a little bit of play action off of the wolf, get off of the wolf running game. But are you able to get that wolf running game going against a quality twin loop team? And if you're not, are those play action shots going to be there? I'm going to. My instinct would be no, probably not. If you're not able to run the ball. I don't know why you would why the play, what would loosen up the play action for you. And so that then, again, maybe Central Valley has something else in the bag. When I called the Central Valley game a couple of years ago, they ran about five different kind of base offensive sets were able to be very multiple and able to do a lot of things. If that's still in the playbook, I wouldn't be surprised to see them find the way to be adaptive to a tough game against Twin loop, but statistically you just look at what they've done over the course of the season from a numbers standpoint, and they haven't done that yet. Haven't maybe haven't needed to necessarily. I mean, even in that game against Elm Creek that they did lose, they still scored 48 points. So maybe, you know, they've been able to just get by doing what they've been doing offensively all year long, but will that be enough in this game?
1: Yeah, and that and that's a good point that their offense hasn't struggled this season. I mean, even in their loss, they still put up a lot of points. So it it might just be which which defense shows up. I mean, it might not be which team can adapt. I mean, it might just be which team can make you be multidimensional. It might it might be which defense can take away your number one options and uh i I like i like twin loop in this one where where we've already talked about how they've added some extra options and kind of figured things out so maybe maybe going into this game they've got a little bit of an edge uh over central valley where they've found that extra niche that they're looking for and uh and who knows i mean it could be central valley could adapt really well and find that extra piece that they're they're needing come playoff time because central valley is kind of the opposite of what we were just talking about with Nebraska Lutheran, where you have to be able to run the ball. I mean, they're kind of like your Wisconsin type offense, where if you can't run the ball, your passing game doesn't open. And once uh, once you get against some of these really physical teams come playoff times, and even even right now, even this week, um, once you get against those and it's hard to run the ball, can you adapt? And I think that's I think survival of the adaptive this week. I think is kind of the phrase I'd go with.
0: Yeah, especially as we go towards the playoffs, I want to see those teams that can do different things and beat you in different ways. And so all three of these games should have an opportunity to show us that because, again, our pick games, I have Central Valley over Twin Loop. Tyler has has Ravenna over went over Riverside. And Tyler also has Osceola over Nebraska Lutheran. Well, Tyler, one week left. The regular season and then it's playoff time and so as of friday night the playoffs will be well you'll be able to kind of figure it out based on the power points as they come in but on saturday is when those brackets ultimately will drop um looks like if you follow neb preps and strive you'll see that i think they've got a pretty good bracket reveal planned so keep an eye on that on saturday so we'll see kind of how everything shakes out and so that means next week for the pod, we're going to be getting ready for the playoffs. And Tyler, what do you think about giving the people a little extra content next week?
1: Yeah, so we actually we shortened this one up by quite a bit. Um, but I, I think once those playoff brackets are out, uh, I, I think we're going to have to break it into an extra show. I mean, I think we're going to have to break it into D1, D2. That way we can give all these teams that are making playoffs the, the proper due diligence and uh, proper airtime. I mean, they they've earned their... They're kind of spot in the limelight. And I, I don't think it's fair to just kind of narrow it down and only talk about the teams that are at the top. I mean, everybody's kind of fought their way in this season and I think it's only fair to reward that and all of our listeners with an extra show. If if you ask me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So keep an eye because again, the brackets will drop Saturday. We'll start digging into them, but we should have two shows out for you in the first, in the first two days of next week. There should be two shows in the feed by Monday or two by Monday Tuesday next week because we are gonna again again do a pl- full playoff deep dive preview for both D one and D two and going forward we'll probably have to we'll probably have to do two separate recaps just for the quantity of games and we're gonna try to keep pumping an extra episode or two into the queue throughout the playoffs even as the, we get less and less games we're just gonna try to dive deeper and deeper and deeper so it's gonna be a ton of fun and we hope you ride along with us all the way to memorial stadium as we are again one regular season week left and then it's playoff time in eight man football and one thing i do want to make sure a shout out to everybody is keep an eye on our social media where we've got some pretty cool stuff. We're trying to cook up some new graphics maybe some maps that show all the different eight man teams in the state and everything. And should be a really, should be really kind of fun just to brand it out a little bit more, build the brand show, kind of show the range of what eight man brings. And I, Tyler, I know, I know you're pretty excited and I'm pretty excited because I, we've been working on some of this stuff for a while and I'm excited that as we hit the playoffs, we're able to kind of debut kind of what we want to, what we want to look like?
1: <laughs> yeah, we we just kind of wanted to get the to get this off the ground this season, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. I mean, we didn't just get it on the ground. I mean, we hit the ground running with it, and uh, it it really feels like comp- now that we're into the playoffs, we're kind of getting the feel of things, getting getting everything kind of the way we wanted it situated, set up wise, uh, research wise, show doc setup. And uh, like, like Austin said, keep an eye on the socials. Um, we've got some, we got some cool graphics coming along and and some of it's been aided by some of these eight man football players um, just kind of helping us out that we've kind of reached out to, or that have reached out to us. And, um, but yeah, keep an eye on the socials for the, the posts that we've got coming on kind of the brand aspect of it, but also keep an eye on it as far as um, we'll, we'll be posting on there when we're going to be releasing the newest pods. I mean, as of right now, we've been going Thursday, late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning for our release date or release times. Um, but now with these two shows coming out, we'll probably separate it by a day. So just kind of keep an eye on the socials. We'll we'll let you know when those those shows are coming up live. Um, but also make sure if you're whatever platform you're following on, make sure you're hitting that bell, because that's that's going to be the quickest way to find out about it. I mean, um, that that's instant. As soon as it's live, you're, you're getting notified about it and can clip it on in the car or during your scouting sessions if you're coaching playing whatever um just keep an eye on the socials is, is all we ask and and be sure to give us some input i mean we, we love hearing uh, people talk about especially coaches talking about their kids um it, it's been a lot of fun to see some of the the passion that the coaches and some of these fans and parents and players have put into it and uh we, re- we really appreciate everything everything everybody's been doing for us and uh We're excited. I mean, playoffs, it feels, it feels like Christmas. I can't really believe that playoffs are already here. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. This, this final week is going to be an absolute blast.
0: Yeah, it's going to be great. And we hope you're there with us for the rest of it. As again, like Tyler said, follow us on Facebook or so, or Twitter eight by 80 podcast. If you've got anything we need to be keeping an eye on, email us, eat, eight spelled out E-I-G-H-T by eight eighty eight zero at yahoo.com for that email address. Every podcast you listen to, you know, subscribe, like, rate, review, all those fun things to help drive those numbers up. And tell your friends about us too. That's I mean you really want to help a podcast spread, especially one like us where we're trying to cover these smaller towns, these smaller schools, these kids that may not get the notoriety, just spread the word because Again, we're going to have a lot of shows for you come playoff time, and it's going to be fun.
1: And we got and we got some cool cool stuff coming in playoffs. Not just graphics. We're we're going to be getting some some actual show stuff coming in. That's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun and exciting for some of you guys too. So be, be sure and tune in come playoff time.
0: Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great, and I I'm just so excited to share it all with everybody. So I think that's it. We did a pretty good job, Tyler. Kept it short again, but I think we're both just it's, it's kind of Christmas Eve. We're just going to go ahead and call it a night. And tomorrow is when we're going to find out kind of what these playoffs start to look like.
1: Yeah. And and I can't wait. I'll be sure and set out my milk and cookies tonight because this, <laughs> this is, this is where it gets good. So, uh, yeah, I think that wraps it up for week seven. So, uh, from Austin and I hope everybody has a good fun Thursday, Friday night of football and, uh, be safe, have fun. And, uh, Yeah. See ya.